0: In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and ever, and to the ages of all ages, amen. We agree that we want to be fruitful. We agree that we, I don't want to serve, I served the same kids in Sunday school for like five years in the church I grew up in, five or six years. Or, see, it feels like longer, you know? Uh, we we're together forever, right? I want to see every single one of them to be a bright shining star for Christ. It's, if, if one of them, if just one of them uh, has a so-so soul, soul life with God, or is lost from God, it would be one too many. Right? I want, I want to have abundant fruit. And this is, this is God's wish for you, I promise you. This is God's wish for me and for you. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. It's really interesting that just in John fourteen fourteen, Jesus says, Whatever you ask in my name, the Father will do it for you. And then, just, just like twenty verses later, in John fifteen five, he says, Without me, you can do nothing. It's very categorical, it's very black and white. With God, you can do everything. Without him, I can do nothing. Nothing that you didn't know. And this is, this is his heart. This is what gives him pleasure. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain. Look, I want to tell you something. Who is the vine dresser? God. Specifically, Jesus says, I am the vine, and the my vine Father king. is the vine dresser. Right? So, how can you assess whether this vine dresser is any good or not? So you have two vine dressers. You want to know which one is better. What are you going to look at to see which one is better? The fruits. The fruits. It's not rocket science. Nothing Jesus was teaching us was like very difficult or hard to understand, right? So if the fruit stinks, the vine dresser stinks. Right? Right? If the fruit is glorious, then the vine dresser also is glorious. So is it okay that there is no fruit? No, it's not okay. It's not okay. I should be heartbroken like Abuna in the story that I was just mentioning. If there's no fruit, I should be unable to sleep. See, if I'm more attached to my sleep and I'm more attached to my food and I'm more attached to my pleasures, it won't bother me. But if, like in the previous talk, we're saying we're going to renounce all of those things, then I'm going to find I can't sleep. I can't sleep because I'm worried about this person. I can't sleep because I'm upset about this. And people come and tell me, he'll come back to God when he comes back to God. Everybody has their time. I find myself... It's not okay. It's not okay. It's not okay that Jesus died for this person, and it, and Jesus' blood's just being wasted. It's not okay that Jesus says, "I trade my life for yours," and now Jesus' life is, is being used for nothing. It's being used for making money and buying property, and it's not okay. Saint John Chrysostom's very. Uh, Funny. You know, he, had, he was very witty, he had a really good sense of humor, but he was also very sharp. So, uh, he told them, you know why nobody believes your preaching? He's telling them, the people in his time. He tells them, because you tell them to follow God, to follow a man named Jesus, who preaches, lay up treasures for yourselves in heaven, where no thief approaches nor moth destroys. And they can hear the sounds of your workmen building palaces for you in the background. So the people are asking themselves, wait a minute, but I thought you're I thought we we're supposed to lay up treasures in heaven, but you're building a palace for yourself here on earth. I don't understand. Right? I don't understand. Whatever fruit, whatever fruit we have speaks to the vine dresser. It doesn't speak to the vine. And it doesn't speak to the branch. It speaks to the vine dresser. No one's going to say, what a beautiful branch. Nobody cares about the branch, right? Nobody's going to say, what a a healthy vine. Nobody's going to say that. Everybody's going to say, what a great vine dresser, right? And Jesus is happy with that. Jesus always, you'll notice, he's always pointing to to the Father. Whenever they tell him, why are you doing these things? He says, I'm not, doing, I'm not saying, these are not my words, these are the words which my Father told me to speak. Why are you doing this? These are not my works, these are the works of my Father. You find Jesus is always pointing to the Father. And the Spirit is always pointing to Jesus. Right? He will remind you of the words which I have spoken to you. The Holy Spirit is always pointing to Jesus. Jesus is always pointing to the Father. None of the persons of the Trinity are selfish. All of them are outward focused, looking and loving the other. So I would say that there's perfect love in the life, life of the Trinity. And when we ta- we're talking about fruit here, we're not talking about a grape, one or two. We're talking about abundance. In, in the, the, the beginning of the Coptic year, the, the song says, you crown the year with your goodness and your paths drip with abundance. I gave a sermon uh, at, at our church downtown which will probably never be forgotten because I made the congregation say the word abundance 20 times, right? I told them, don't you just feel better saying it? Just say it with me. Abundance. Just say it with me. Abundance. Right? I made them do that 20 times, right? You feel better. It makes you smile. Right? It makes you smile. It makes you smile to think that there's more than you can carry. It makes you smile to think that if Peter and Andrew went fishing, caught nothing. They went with Jesus, their nets were breaking. Not once, twice. Right? It makes you smile that God does not give the Spirit by measure, says St. John the Baptist. God gives abundantly. God gives, right? Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. God gives more than, we can, more than we can carry, more than we can, we can handle. And Jesus says the same thing. He says, I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. Right? Next time you're in a bad mood or something, stand and look at yourself in the mirror and say, abundance. <laughs> say it 20 times and you'll be laughing like you are right now. Right? Our purpose in life, the reason we're here, folks, the reason we're here is to bear fruit. Like, the branch has no purpose in the universe other than to bear fruit. Branches of a vine aren't even good for firewood. Like, they're not even useful for firewood. They burn way too quickly to even be kindling, to even be like the stuff you use to get the fire going. Really, the branch has no other purpose in the universe than to bear fruit. That's all it's good for. That's all it's good for. All it is, is an offshoot from the vine. An outgrowth from the vine. The vine is growing and pops out a branch. Right? That's all it's good for. If it doesn't bear fruit, we need to make it start bearing fruit. We need to fix it. Right? The vine is made to be a partaker of the life of the vine. To be taking from the vine and making fruit. That's the whole purpose of the branch. It doesn't have any other goal. It's, it's not useful for anything else. That's it really ends there. It's a channel through which the sap goes from the vine to the to the to the to the grapes or to the fruit. Right? This sap is the third person of the Holy Trinity, which we haven't spoken about. Is the Holy Spirit, right? The one who is unseen, who has all the effect, right? Because what do you want? Big, fat, abundant, juicy grapes or little shriveled up raisins, right? Everybody wants the big, fat, juicy, abundant grapes, right? That's what, that's what everybody wants, right? What makes them so full of juice? Well, the sap, right? How does the sap get from the vine to the fruit? through the branch. The only thing the branch is supposed to do is send the sap from the vine to the fruit. That's all the branch is supposed to do. All the branch is supposed to do is plug into the vine and get the sap from one end to the other. It's just a channel, just a bridge. That's all it's supposed to do. So, how do we do that? How do we do that? Jesus says... If you keep My commandments, you will abide in My love, just as I have kept My Father's commandments and abide in His love. Very, very, very simple. If the branch, the branch is passive. The branch doesn't actually physically do anything. The branch, as long as it abides, as long as it stays grafted in, as long as it doesn't wander off into the bushes, then it will bear fruit. As simple as that. How do we how do we abide? How do we stay well-rooted in? Jesus makes it very simple. If you keep my commandments. As simple as that. I was uh, giving a talk recently on the Jesus prayer, and I read something, and it just like, you know, sometimes you're reading and something like pops out of the book and hits you in the forehead, you know? Right? And I kept, and I read it, and it, it just kept, you know, striking me as this is the most important thing that I've read this week. And this, this, you know, this uh, hermit father who's writing about the Jesus prayer was writing and says, Nothing gives us progress in the life of holiness and virtue as much as repentance and obedience. So he was saying, it was, it was in the context of him saying that you can't make yourself advance in the Jesus prayer and become more skillful in it or less skillful. It's not something that you can do. It's something that will come of its own accord. However, those who progress quickly in spiritual life are those who have deep repentance and already are living a life of obedience. So when Jesus tells us, to obey his commandments, that's all we need to do. I, 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 just, I discovered something which is something that the church has known for a million years. I'm just the one who didn't know, that, right? Most sins that we do will go away by themselves when we start obeying Jesus' commandments. Like, suppose you swear a lot, right? And every time you go in confession, you say, I swear. And when I says, God absolve you, try not to. And you say, okay, I'll try not to. Right? The solution actually is not to try not to swear. The solution is to keep Jesus' other commandments. Right? The more I get rooted into the vine, the more my mind doesn't, isn't wired that way anymore. The more I don't see unholiness. I don't see opportunities for sin. Because I'm too focused on the opportunities for the kingdom right? So it's enough for us to struggle in obedience to struggle to obey Jesus' commandments and a lot of sins, not all sins, but a lot of sins will just become obsolete, will just become non-issues for us Jesus says let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven all the glory is for him so what's hanging in the balance? Like you could say yeah I could do that but i could also not you know yeah you could not for sure and if you don't what's 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 the price to pay what's the opportunity cost that god not be glorified before these people i read something uh several years ago and it's we have to like take this very much in context so we don't misinterpret it right the, this author was saying that jesus was the salvation of his generation. Because Jesus is the salvation of all of creation, right? Of, of all of humanity, all of creation as a whole, longs for the unveiling of the sons of God. Jesus is our be-all and end-all for everybody and everything in all time. Yes, I agree. But what he was saying is, like, Jesus walked around Judea and, you know, Israel, Palestine of his time, and he preached. And then when Jesus ascended to heaven... He committed everything to the church, to his apostles. And in their generation, they preached. If you and I are waiting for Jesus to come back again, to preach to your neighbor, to preach to your uh, friend at school, to to preach to your colleague, to preach to your brother or sister, your mother or father, whoever, to to be the light and the salt to that person, Habibi, you're mistaken. That's why you're here. Jesus didn't leave behind him a, a, a theological seminary, a philosophy, an institution. He didn't even really leave behind him a religion as is commonly understood by the secular world today. People think religion is like rules and regulations and whatever. You know better than that, that religion is, is life, with sharing in the life of Christ. The only thing Jesus left behind him was a gathering of people called out for a purpose which is the definition of the word ekklesia, church. All he left behind him is the church. That's why we say, like, there's no salvation without the church. That's what, that's what Jesus left behind. He didn't leave behind, you know, a set of do's and don'ts or, or, or instructions, or right? That's all he left. All he left behind him was you and me. To be the salt, to be the light, to bring glory to our Father who is in heaven. John 17, Jesus says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that your Son may also glorify you. It's a very funny relationship when it comes to glory that we have with God. We glorify God and then God glorifies us. See, God and I were a team. And before I was saying that in service I'm constantly making a mess of things, and he's constantly fixing them. And then people say, "Wow, Punishon's such a great guy." And I'm like, ah, "If only in you, right?" But between closed doors, between me and Jesus, we know what's going on, right? We know that uh, you know he's doing, let's say, more than the lion's share, right? But outside, he's always glorifying me. Why? Why do you think? Is it because he knows, like, I have low self-esteem, so I need people to come and pat me on the back and tell me, Abuna, tahil? Yeah? That maybe that's why? No. If I have low self-esteem, I need to know Jesus, and I need to know my value and my person and who I am in Christ. That's not the solution. Compliments make things worse, actually. But anyways, it's another story. Right? So why? Why do you think? Two reasons. One, because he loves me. Because he loves me, and he doesn't care to, to, to keep the glory for himself. In fact, he wishes always to share it, right? We said the Persons of Trinity are all outwardly focused, right? And a second reason, a very practical one. For everyone else. Yeah, so I can bear more fruit. There's a... Uh, so I can bear more fruit. Right? He gives me street cred, not because I'm a good guy. I stink. He knows that. But he doesn't want everybody else to know that. Right? So he can continue to use me and bring more fruit. And I'm, I'm still the same person with the same passions, with the same struggles, with the same disaster going on behind closed doors. Right? And that doesn't make you a hypocrite, by the way. A lot of people say, no, I can't serve. I'd be a hypocrite. La, أحسن Khalini, Keda, in my corner, not doing nothing, so that I won't be a hypocrite. No, a hypocrite is an actor, right? It's someone who is purposefully putting on a show to, to appear other than what they are, right? That's not a, a servant who is struggling to live a holy life, right? A servant who is struggling to live a holy life, is is struggling indeed maybe failing 9 times out of 10 or more right but is struggling to live a holy life that's not a hypocrite a hypocrite the word hypocrite means actor that's exactly what it means it means one who wears a mask Is what the literal translation but in in first century second century right the word hypocrite was the word they used for the actors because they like you have like four actors doing 20 parts in a play and they would do the different parts by wearing masks so when I wear this mask I'm this character when I wear that mask I'm that character I'm purposefully putting on a mask to be to act as a character that's not what that's not what most of most of us are doing by being Strugglers in, our, in, our, in this in secret, struggling to live a holy life, and also, but also serving God and God giving you glory. God gives us glory, and we give Him back glory. I tell you the truth. We get a lot of visitors during Holy Week, right? And one of the questions we get asked the most commonly is, "Why do you repeat this hymn? Thine is the power, the glory, the blessing, the majesty, so many times every year?" I calculate how many times we repeat it. You know what I mean? Like, you know, 12 times an hour, you know, five hours in the morning, five hours in the evening for like five days. And then on Good Friday, there's like a sixth hour as well. There's like an extra, there's a 12th hour, right? And all. why do we repeat it so many times? And I've learned actually somebody, one of the inquirers is the one who told me this. He told me I've I've never felt this good in church as I did when I was standing and just singing along with you guys. Right? So I've learned to ask people, like, how does it make you feel? Right? We give God glory and he gives us back the glory. Very strange, our God. He's very... Very different from the rest of this world. In First Chronicles 29, this is kind of like if you were looking for a scriptural reference for the hymn, this is probably where you'll find it. King David at the end of his life says, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, and the glory, and the victory, and the majesty, for all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted head over all. King David, at the end of his life, after all his battles, after all his glory, after amassing all of this wealth so he could build the temple, looks to all of that wealth and turns to God and says, yours is the glory. You're going to say, but we don't always see fruit. There's people who have been serving for years. Nothing has changed. Well... Maybe you're right. Maybe nothing has changed. If that is the case, I'm very worried. But there's lots of different kinds of fruit. There's inward fruit in the person you're serving. There's inward fruit in you. There's outward fruit in the person you're serving, and there's outward fruit in you. Maybe you don't notice that you've become more patient or more loving or kind, but you've become more outgoing. Maybe before you started serving this person, you were very shy and reserved, and after you're serving this person, like they respond well to your service, your, and they enjoy your company, you enjoy theirs, but they still have zero spiritual life with God, and they still have zero relationship with God, right? So you say, well, it's all for nothing. Well, maybe I'm the one who's changed. Maybe God is healing me. Maybe God is working on me, not working only on them. i tell you something. With God, everybody wins, because God is not poor, like... So for me, for, 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 for Nardine, to be better, I have to pay the price. right? No. Jesus pays the price. Why should I pay the price? I going say I'd never pay the price. <laughs> right? Right? With, with, with God with God, everybody wins. right? So there should be fruit in the other person, and there should be fruit in me. Maybe one of them will come first. Maybe I'll see fruit in me before I'll see fruit in others, right? Maybe the fruit is discreet, or maybe it's celebrated. Maybe it's something that everybody is so happy and rejoicing over, or maybe it's something that nobody knows about. I tell you the truth, something magical happens when somebody repents from all their hearts. You know what happens? The whole church experiences joy, and no one will know why, right? So, two of my friends, childhood friends, who were very, very far from God, really repented and came to God and had a real life change. One, and then a couple of months later, the other. And that's exactly what we experience. And you find the whole church is kind of joyful. Nobody knows why. Nobody knows these, these guys. I grew up in a really big church, like, you know, slightly like smaller than the church in Mississauga, like, right? So, I. No. It's impossible that everybody would know the details of everybody's lives, right? I know it doesn't seem like it's impossible, but it actually is impossible, right? And um, but the whole and, and it's true, it's true, it really is true that all of heaven rejoices over one sinner who repents, and the the kingdom of heaven on earth, which is the church, rejoices also. and the fruit of the spirit the fruit of the spirit that God is really looking for on the last day in me and in others is almost always hidden love joy peace long suffering kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self control and notice it's these are not the fruits of the spirit they are the fruit of the spirit the fruit of the spirit is all of these things not one or two of them right at the end of this I hope you're encouraged I hope you're excited I hope you're inspired I hope you're enthusiastic if you aren't the church has given us a beautiful prayer in the fraction of the only begotten to the only begotten uh, up to the Son the starts oh, only begotten son we pray and say Jesus my beloved if you see me a withering member revive me with the oil of your grace and affirm me in you as a living branch O thou, the true vine. Lord, if you see me as a withered branch, soften me, Lord, with the oil of your love. Bind up my wounds, Lord, with the balm of your Holy Spirit, with, your, with, with the wine of your blood, Lord. Like, clean my wounds, Lord. Heal me. And make me, re graft me in again, Lord. Into you, O O true vine, that the sap of your Holy Spirit might go through me and have much fruit and bring you much glory. Never forget, never forget that in so much as you are a member of the body of Christ, in in so much as everything that applies to Christ applies to you. When the Father looks down from heaven on His Son, in the water of the Jordan and says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Those words apply to you. Inasmuch as you are a member of the body of Christ, inasmuch as those apply to you. Do they apply only to the head? Jesus' head, but the rest of his body? No, 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 I'm not well pleased with that. I'm not well pleased with the head only. No, of course not. He is well pleased with you. You don't believe me? I love, this, uh, I love this psalm in the third hour, Psalm 40 in the or 41 in the Bible. By this I know that you are well pleased with me, because my enemy does not triumph over me. I'm still breathing. I'm still kicking. I still have a breath left in me. You know? I'm not like a fiery man of prayer, like I wish I, wa- I, wish I could be. But I'm still trying. I'm still trying. I'm still saying, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. I still have breath left in me, and I'm still going to try. God is well pleased, not just pleased, well, well pleased with you. So in conclusion, all we need to do to bring glory to our Father in Heaven is be a branch. All we need to do is just stay plugged in. Just don't let go. Even if you're hanging off the end of a cliff, and you're just hanging on by a hand, tooth, or nail, right? Just just hang on. Just, just stay plugged in. Re- refuse, refuse to disconnect from the branch. And in so much, I'm not a very good artist, but my attempt, in so much as you abide, you will have abundance. abundance. <laughs> Glory be to God forever and ever amen.